Hello, everybody. This is Brian Janikowski. I'm Christian Thwaites, and I'm here with my colleague, Rita. Good afternoon, everyone. Nice to speak to you. I wish we were uh, had better results and news for, 20, for 2018. It's been a tough year in investing, but we're here to sort of look at what happened in 2018 and take some questions. Again, we'll keep this format to um, 20 minutes, and we'll stop talking after about 10 or 15 minutes, and we already have some questions sent in, so thank you for those. And if everybody, anybody wants to uh, ask a question afterwards, just uh, we'll unmute the lines and press star nine, and uh, and then you'll be live, and I'll give you those instructions again in a minute. Okay, so Rita, uh, <laughs> here we are, uh, almost uh, closing the year, and we kind of went through the numbers, so let's talk about those quickly. Uh, the S&P is down about 3% uh, so far this year. Treasuries are about flat. As you know, we always talk about the treasuries as a sort of benchmark for other asset classes. Um, but I think the big, the big uh, experience in the S&P was not so much the 3% return, but the fact that we had a, a drawdown, which is just kind of the investor's jargon for saying from peak to trough of nearly 13%. So you know, volatility came back in January. And I think that's certainly been a been a, uh, um, a a difficult thing for people to cope with. And it's been it's been pretty high, this volatility in these one, two percent trade inter, intraday trade days. Uh, I think with the other day also we had an intraday of three percent. Well, they didn't didn't close on that. But that's been a big feature, hasn't it? It's been a long time since we have an average of three or four percentage points any given day, plus or minus. We haven't had that for years since the uh, crisis. Yes. And why do you think that is? Well, the market has been um, digesting, so to speak, a lot of news, uh, lots of trade news. Um, so news about the trade war, news about interest rate, direction of it, although it's been, it should have been highly telegraphed. Um, and also a number of uh, policy uncertainties globally, uh, including uh, news about the ECB um, ending their easing, as well as other countries uh, beginning to raise their interest rates because of inflation. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think at the beginning of this year, we were still talking about coordinated global growth. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, unequivocally, the thing that derailed that was, first of all, we cannot not talk about trade. The fact is that the world trade system, however imperative it may be, has been sort of left alone to do its own thing for, you know, for many decades, despite the different trade rounds. And uh, you know, a spanner was very, very firmly thrown into that engine uh, at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. When you remember when the washing machine machine yeah, tariffs yeah. came on, which no one noticed, which increased washing machine prices by about 20%. So no one cares about washing machines. But then the steel ones came in and then the autos. And then, as they say, all hell broke loose. And we were fighting a trade war on three fronts with the EU, with uh, Mexico, Canada and NAFTA, and obviously now with China. One of those wars, I think, has been declared as a sort of armistice with, uh, <laughs> with, with NAFTA. Uh, the other one is sort of on a on a peaceful side for now, but I have a feeling it'll erupt it'll again. Erupt. EU and of course the big one that we're all looking at is 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 China. Um, so that's been uh, that that I think has been one of the prime sources of volatility. Um, yeah, I believe so, and I think um, it, it's also a prime source of volatility out in the emerging markets as well. 
um, it's been not easy to be an, a Chinese investor for the last year. Um, 2017, everybody was you know ringing the bells and like, oh great, I, I own Tencent and I own Alibaba yeah. and all that. This year, that has gone hugely negative. So Rita, let's not beat about the bush. China stocks got hammered this year, down 25%. Um, bonds were actually up a little bit, 2.5%. And we know that uh, you know foreign exchange reserves came down a little bit. I, I mean, how would you, how do you think about China right now? How should we be playing China? So one of the things that we always talk about, Christian, is whether this is a blip in the growth or it's more of a secular thing that we we should pay attention to. Um, some of the key indicators, so two, for example, including uh, include. Um, China's manufacturing activity as well as their retail activities. Um, the most recent print of Chinese manufacturing uh, has just been 50. That's the worst. Now you're talking about the ISM, the which is PMI, PMI, where you have to be above 50, it's expansion, exactly. below 50, it's 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 uh, it contraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what we call the diffusion index. But uh, so it's the fifty is the magic number. But you're saying it's it's, it's actually just about fifty. Yeah. So it's it's been the lowest for years. So and then we've been just you know, looking at this trend for the last for the last ten years, and we know that it's been gradually declining. But I think the psychological mark, the diffusion index of fifty, and now it's at right around fifty, means something. Um, and the other thing that Quite interesting. I don't know whether people notice is the government actually has stopped printing that number. Have they? Yes. <laughs> so it may, it's a good it, may <laughs> <laughs> it may mean something else. And then, then retail sales. Um, so we've always paid attention to the Chinese consumer, knowing that they um, have um, a big and disproportionate um, uh, influence on the economy. That also has uh, is slowing. So do you think that? China will um, sort of appease in the trade talks because obviously this is what everyone's looking at. I think the market, I think the market would be good for not that we use the Dow, but it'd probably be good for a thousand points on the Dow, two or three percent <laughs> on the S and P if this thing got cleared up. Very good question. There are other structural problems that Chinese, uh, the China Chinese government has to deal with. Um, one uh, is the their overheated property market that they have to take care of. Um, that relates to the credit cycle, uh, and I think they have always had an expansion uh, in the credit cycle uh, to both the commercial front and also the, uh, the consumer front. Now, the government has been trying to stem that, um, which means um, consumer will continue to uh, feel tighter in terms of their financial condition as well as uh, corporations. Um, so I think, to answer your question, um, China will try to do something with the U.S. I think, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a question of uh, how both sides can claim victory and save face save and all those important things. Yeah. So while, let's just finish up international because obviously that was the weak point for us. I mean, in, 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 if we were running 2020 hindsight capital, we would have had uh, no emerging market in, in 2018 um, because it was down about 12, 15%. There's essentially nowhere to hide. In the year 2018, as we were looking at some of these numbers, you can't you can't be in the foreign market. You cannot make money in the foreign. You did not make market money in the foreign market. You did not make money in the U.S. market. You did not make money in any of the commodities market. Yes, and I and I think we just we both looked at some statistics the other day 
where this is the first time, at least since 1994, yeah. where cash has outperformed stocks, bonds, commodities, pretty much any other asset class. And if you remember, 1994 was not a bad year. In other words, 1995 was actually quite quite good. You know, it wasn't a presage of, uh, of of something dramatic or, or or disastrous happening in the market the following year. I think it was a lot of just ca catching yeah. up year, if my memory serves me right. But let's just finish up on international because I think China's been the big run. Trade, trade, we've talked about a little bit. Um, we mustn't forget that in Europe we had uh, the ongoing drama of Brexit. We won't try and summarize this, but I think mm -hmm. uh, I think one can one confidently call it the longest economic suicide note written in history. So that's still going on. Uh, we lightened up on the UK a long, long time ago. Um, so we've had very little exposure there. And then uh, the concerns in Italy with the with the budget deficit and most recently in France. So and then in Germany, Germany got clobbered in its right. stock market because of the auto sector. The auto sector is very big in Germany. I think it I don't know, 20% of the stock market, really, or something, if not more. Yeah, it's not, it's not more. And um, so that's that's been in correction phase. But uh, so those have all hurt. And then, uh, you know, on the fringes, we had Argentina, we had Turkey, and a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, the, the, well, I was going to say the, mm. the Indian Central Bank being fired, you know, which yeah. is not a good sign. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I think uh, in all those, some of those will resolve themselves a little bit, like you know Brexit. I think the trade side will come out, and um, but that's been the main culprit of, of, of things that have gone badly, both in emerging market and in large cap international. So let's just talk about bonds. You know, we always like to talk about bonds here. So uh, this year, uh, if you were in a straight ten-year Treasury, you've made zero percent, but you're up about two percent over the last uh, three months, and so that's that's a trade which we put in place some time ago, actually, well into the summer, we thought treasuries were uh, looking well oversold when they hit the 3.25% mark, where they hit that as a high around about October. We thought it would come down. It has come down by quite a bit. So we uh, we began doing, uh, adding to the 10-year treasury um, sometime early this year, 2018. Over the year, we've added to treasuries by taking on some of the, the shorter duration two-year floaters, which has been very attractive, offering us about 2.7% in yield, but next to no duration. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. That's one of the um, uh, brighter spots in the fixed income market. Yes, I was running the numbers today, and uh, the treasuries have outperformed the S&P year-to-date by about 2%, uh, and over the last... Uh, were quarter to date by 13%. So that's uh, that's what we wanted. We didn't see that in the first half because rates were still on the uptick. But I think now investors have looked a little bit further over the horizon, saw not so much a recession. This is, we're not talking about a recession yet, but definitely a, a slowing down and, and that's therefore slowing down in the way the Fed would increase its rates. And that's quite a big move to see 10-year go from 3.25 to 2.8, you know, as I checked this call. That's equivalent to about a 4% price gain on a 10-year on a treasury. So the treasury position that we've um, in, 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 uh, added to the portfolio um, is entirely uh, for stability reasons. We wanted to have a portion of the portfolio pretty much um, insulated from market uh, volatility. In this case, not only did it uh, shelter us quite well, it actually made money. Yes. And the other area, um, yes, so certainly just to finish up on bonds too, 
So Treasury done well. The broad uh, ag index, which is the sort of you know, which is fixed income equivalent of S and P, it's a little bit flat because it does have some lower credit in there. And we've been very cautious about credit. It, in, in credit, it's all about how much does the company. It's the most important thing I think about uh, fixed income right now. How much does the company? It usually is a company borrow above treasuries. And if that's at 50 to 80, which it was for single A credits uh, or double A credits early in the year, and is now more of 150, then you've got a you know a pretty severe price decline. Right. And we've seen some what we call the blowout in spreads, particularly in high yield and energy high yield and uh, triple C's and all these guys are, we are getting hammered avoided and avoided those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really, we're we, we we like the treasuries like now. We like you know super high credit quality, um, and then the credit also kind of as you know kind of gets hurt by the M and A cycle as well as the. We wrote about this in the blog last last week. I mean, the, there's a lot of indebted companies. Yes, they have cash to offset some of that, but you got to remember that uh, I think I think we we looked at the average profit margin for the S and P 500 company is 11 percent, but there's about 150 where it's less than three percent. So mm-hmm. if you're paying your interest rate cover uh, bill goes up right. by one or two percent, you know your margins are going to take a colossal hit. And uh, there's plenty of industries where a three percent margin is considered very good. Most yeah. of retailing, for example, or in cash flow and effective dividends, it's going to yeah. be a whole slew of things to follow. So that kind of brings us back to a domestic equity market where I think uh, we, we, we've liked this quality play for quite some time and the dividend aristocrats done pretty well this year, haven't they? Yes, uh, it's positive. Um, it's done, I think, 3.5% at my last uh, at last print over the S&P. Yes, it has. And that's the same numbers. I guess I performed quite a bit on, the, on a year-to-date basis. So we would expect that. The, that, that that list of companies in that ETF that we use is uh, is is uh, is a pretty well respected universe of companies which have increased their dividends for you know I think 25 years in a row. So this has done this has done very well, and we've also seen that a little bit on the quality side. So we might have been a little bit early on the quality side. We missed the first uh, sort of run up in the fangs, the Facebooks, Apples, Netflix, Googles. Um, but mm-hmm. it's really it's really paid off recently, which is we're we're, we're glad to see. And let's just come out on domestic equity. I I think um, you know some of the sentiment is clearly driven by rates, clearly driven by trade, by the economic policies, which uh, you know we all we all concerned that the the tax uh, decreases was going to have a tremendous year for earnings growth, and it has you know, earnings have been incredible. It's going to be another. Another good earnings growth, I think, for the fourth quarter, but they're going to roll from 20% gains to 8% gains, and half of that will just be the year-on-year comps don't have the tax gains in them anymore. So one of the questions that we get all the time, Christian, is what do we think about uh, in 2019? Are we thinking that a recession is coming? Yeah, there's a very good question here, actually. We, I'll jump into one of the questions right now uh, which so we can tackle that one. Suppose, hypothetically, you believe that a recession is highly likely by June 2019. Uh, I know you don't believe it, but accept my hypothetical just for now. How would you adjust investment portfolios if you believed it? Um, yeah, I, I would say that it's not that we don't believe it, but for right now, the odds are, are 20, yes, exactly. I think to more like 20, 25%. Right. And the economy we know is slowing down. It has to. It grew four and a half in the second quarter, three and a half in the third quarter. 
the Atlanta GDP now is pointing to about mm -hmm. 2.83%, depending on which day you run it. Uh, and it's going to slow down, I think, further into the sector. But, but is it enough to kick us into recession where we need two consecutive quarters of declining real GDP? Mm -hmm. And that, that's a, that would be a big swing. Um, but I think, you know, clearly there's a lot more articles, there's a lot more talk. And if you click onto CNBC yeah. or Bloomberg, you know, the R word's going to come up about every five minutes. And, uh, you know, the inverted yield curve, which we wrote about and people we're talking mm -hmm. about a little bit, a uh, little bit sort of out of a lot of the commentators are out of the depth on that one, but but you know there is a sort of you know recession sort of talk in the air. Um, look, I think I think there's a chance, um, but it's it's not highly likely, and we've we've made some changes to the portfolio, but um, uh, I, I think the in answer to how would we adjust the portfolio, the first thing you want to be in a recession is you want to be in treasuries. Uh, the longer the better, because uh, the, obviously the, if the Fed reacts in their normal reaction function, they will reduce mm -hmm. the Fed funds rate and the long-term right. yield will come down and come down hard. Uh, so let's say the 10 years at 2.8, I could quickly see if it was a bad recession to 2.2, and that's where you want to be, mm -hmm. or two, yeah, that's where you want to be in 10-year treasuries. Um, you also generally want to be, you know, at the short end too, because the right. the the curve will probably invert and the Fed funds rate will mm -hmm. will will not go will not go down as quickly as the long term rate. So um, so I think that's one area. But I also think, you know, the more defensive sectors. I mean, the classic defensive sectors usually work. That means uh, consumer staples, um, utilities, utilities, telecoms. Yeah. Uh, utilities tend to do, do well, dividend paying stocks, mm -hmm. you know, these are all very much uh, areas that you want to be in. Um, I mean, you can get a little bit fancier by going into the yen or Swiss franc, mm -hmm. but I mean, that's, uh, that, 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 that is, um, they're, they're typically safe havens, but you know, safe haven isn't quite the same as an investment group recessionary investment you strategy. You just avoid anything with low quality. Yes. Equities or fixed income. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the other thing I'd just like to mention is just the, uh, uh, you know, obviously the the fangs that they've they've really rolled over hard, um, and I think uh, that that makes total sense. I mean, it's disappointing to see Apple down. That's a good quality stock, but that's actually underperformed the S and P for mm -hmm. the first time in gosh, at least probably 10, 15 yeah. years. And also, don't forget there's some individual stories which haven't been too good. General Electric, Xerox, Tele, AT and T are all down. Johnson. You know, very big numbers. Yeah, J and J yesterday, yeah. uh, Chevron, Exxon, just obviously mm -hmm. hitting with the all side. So there's some individual stories as well. Uh, but I think, look, uh, before we open up to questions, I think um, stay defensive going out of 2018 into 2019. We've made a lot of trades on the treasuries. We bought the treasury floating rate. No, we bought some protection on the S&P and the emerging market. Um, I kind of feel okay. And we're not in the high yield. We're not in mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, you know, uh, difficult credit areas. We're certainly not in, in any exotics like uh, commodities or leverage loans or, you know. God forbid, Bitcoin or something like that, which could <laughs> really hurt us. Uh, but I think, you know, for now, we're just kind of waiting for some of these outcomes. Um, okay, so uh, we have one other question, and then I'm going to uh, just feel free to uh, press star nine. And um, somebody here asked, update your thoughts on impact of program or algorithmic trading in current down cycle. You know, this is this is very interesting. There's uh, there's a guy called Cliff Asnes, yeah. who's head of AQR, mm -hmm. very smart guy, does a lot of this kind of uh, quant side, and he's had a terrible year. Uh, you know, the quant and the algo guys have had a really bad year. 
Um, but and we saw one commentator. I come sort of some hedge fund guy said that you know the, the algos are ruining it for everybody else. I don't think you can systematically prove that. Uh, you, it might feel like it, but uh, I, I don't think you can say there's an algorithmically driven trader and they're screwing up the market. I, I think um, sometimes you just want to stand aside in a market, and I think they are a force. We know it, um, but it's difficult to tell whether they're a you know a. a a, a bad force or a benign force or just a neutral force. Uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit wary of sort of pointing all the brain blame on the algorithms because I, you can't really look at it and say uh, there they are, they're doing their thing and it's hurting everybody. Yeah, I would say sentiment also could be a factor in what's happening as well. I think there's so many, yeah. there's so many people writing about negative news, um, forgetting that we still have quite healthy um, corporate earnings. Yeah, we do know this in algos that, that uh, you know, they, they hit the buy or sell mm -hmm. trigger and then ask the question. So if, uh, if a company misses by two pennies, someone sells it. They don't look at what the CEO is saying or whether that was, you know, a one-off or anything else like that. You'll see a lot of that stuff. But unless you're sort of investing in 20-minute cycles. I don't mm -hmm. think it should affect us. You know, eventually it's a bit like a sort of, you know, a wave. Eventually the wave sort of runs out of steam, and and you're back to a, you know, a more a more logical place to to invest in. So, yeah, they're out there, and I think they get they get a slightly bad rap. We don't use algorithmic or quant side very much at all. We're not big believers in it, but I think it would be a stretch to say that they're uh, that they're hurting the overall stock market. Okay, um, so uh, star nine, um, if you'd like to ask a question, I'll just keep quiet for a second. At this time, we don't have any um, hands raised. Okay, well, either we've exhausted everybody or, um, or hopefully we've covered people's concerns. Um, thank you very much for listening. We're we'll, hoping for a better 2019. Yeah, we'll be writing up our 2019 mm -hmm. expectations and uh, putting out our, probably our last blog of the week uh, of the year for this for this Friday. Uh, my advice is not don't read too many you know, year-end <laughs> stuff because uh, um, a lot of TV stuff right now. I know this this guy Jeff Gunlack, who who works for Double Line, which is one of the firms that we use. Uh, made a bearish call on the market yesterday, but he tends to make that bearish call about once a month, um, and eventually he might be right, but he hasn't been right for eight years. Well, so I, you know, these, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Bond guys talk bond. Right, absolutely, <laughs> they do. <laughs> and equity guys don't talk bonds because they don't understand them. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, and uh, we will now read the disclosure. Please note the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only. It should not be considered individualized, recommendation or personalized investment advice. Investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her particular situation before making an investment decision. All expressions of opinion are subject to change without notice. In reaction to shifting market or economic conditions, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the opinions presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance.